Good morning. That was half-hearted if I've ever heard one. Good morning. <clears throat> Would you turn to Mark chapter 7? Mark chapter 7. I've got all kinds of notes, guides, etc. Somebody was teasing me the other day saying, you always seem to take notes into the pulpit, but you never look at them. If I didn't bring them, we'd be in a lot of trouble because I would be scrambling to try to find where I am. Uh, did watching that video cause you to want to go to Haiti? To be hungry for the joy and celebration of pure worship? Angie and I went on a mission trip too this uh, Christmas break. It began on the Christmas Eve, we hopped in the car and drove a brief 30 hours to upstate Wisconsin. Our kids were there. That was not the mission trip. Played with my granddaughter and my kids for several days, and then got in the car again and drove another 10 hours down to Columbus, Ohio to be with my ailing father. That was not the mission trip, wait for it. After being with him, we parked the car and got in a plane and flew down to Orlando. We're getting closer, but that was not the mission trip. We took a shuttle from Orlando to Port Canaveral and got onto a 14-story cruise ship and began our mission in suffering with Jesus. We had a great time. Um, we ate far too much, slept, well, we slept not far too much, but we slept as much as we needed. And we only got off the boat twice. Once we went to an island that the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line actually bought and turned into a paradise, not quite Haiti, I might say. And then the next time we stopped, we got off on uh, Cozumel, also an island just outside the Yucatan Peninsula. I was running from our room to get onto the, uh, uh, the, the landing craft to go onto uh, Cozumel, and I'd left the map of Cozumel in the room, and I grabbed this map on the way. It was, it was on one of the uh, tables as we were running out, wrapped it up, put it in my pocket. Now, you need to know that Angie and I are very different people. Angie is... Uh, locationally challenged, which means if we're driving somewhere and I'm not quite sure where we are, I just simply ask her, do we turn left or right? And if we, if she says turn left, I always turn right and it's always the right direction. She is always wrong. By and large, and you just need to know as a disclaimer, she's not here this morning. And may the Lord not give her a reason to watch live stream. However, on the other hand, I, when I figure out in the morning where the sun is rising, if I know it's rising in the east for the rest of the day, I know where I am. Doesn't matter what city I am. Doesn't matter what location I am. I can always figure out backing up all the different directional changes I've made. I have no problem then. had an interesting phenomenon when we were in Cozumel. 
we were walking around, turning left, turning right, just walking everywhere. And I opened up the map trying to find this store that Angie wanted to go to, and I, I couldn't get my bearings. I knew where we'd been and I could place it on the map, but I couldn't get my bearings. Until Angie, not me, Angie mentioned, because I was holding the map up like this, and I don't know if you can see the front of the map, but the front of the map actually says San Juan on it. I'm in Cozumel, and I'm reading a map from San Juan. Does that give you any rise to think why I couldn't find where I was? This morning, I want to speak to you for just a while on Christian cartography, map making. What's the map that you're using to guide your life? Now, probably all of us would say, well, of course, it is, it's this. This is my map. But you will find again and again that our map may be a little bit different from Jesus' map. And you might not see the subtle distinctions. You might be in one location and actually following the map of another. You may actually be lost and not know it. Jesus, would you be our pioneer and guide in everything we say and everything we do? Amen. Three major themes for this semester, purity, passion, and power. This month, we're focusing on the topic of purity. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian youth group. I didn't meet Christ till I was 25, so I never had any of those youth group retreats that would have had the purity talks. How many of you have, you have had those? Yeah, sure, you, you, you've been on those. Could, could I summarize it? Because I've actually given those talks even though I didn't encounter one of those talks. Here it is. Don't touch, don't look, amen, go with God. That's, that's, that's a brief summary, and I don't mean to trivialize it, but often that's what we do. Control yourself until, until you're married. And what we often do then is we take, would you allow me to use the word, the sacrament? We use the sacrament of marriage to legitimize or moralize our lust. What a bad idea that is. What a bad idea to take lust, impurity, into the marriage bed and ask God to sanctify it. That's not where the purity comes from. Purity. Do you long to be, as Nathan read, pure in heart? Is, is, is that a desire? Is that, to, to put all these together, is that the passion that you have, purity? And would you, would you say you would love to have the power to be pure? These are the three major themes, not just for this semester, 
but for all of what we desire for each and every one of you as you are on mission with God using his map, not yours. When my daughter was 14, she came to me and said, Dad, a boy has asked me out and I would like to go to youth group with him. I mean, how, how do you turn that kind of thing down? What's his name, I said. She told me his name. And I said, I thought we've had this discussion that there will be no dates until you're 16. But, but, but Dad, and you could, you've probably used arguments, you, so you can insert what she said. I don't need to fill it in for you. And I'm thinking, what, what, what do I say to her? So I pulled the purity talk God card and laid it on the table. I said this, Hannah, if this young boy treats you the way you've seen me treat your mother, you can go out with him. That wasn't fair. But I wasn't trying to be fair. I was trying to be controlling. I wasn't so concerned about her. I was more concerned about me. I was more concerned, what if, what if Hannah goes out and he holds her hand? What, what if Hannah goes out and kisses her? What if, fill in the blank. I wasn't concerned about her as much as I was concerned about what the community might say about me and about Angie. That's the problem, is we focus on the, the impurity. If we focus on the lust, we don't have desires for what God wants. We have desires for what we want to prevent. Does this make sense? God has a desire to make you, listen to me, just like him. Do you believe that that's possible in this lifetime? Do you believe he can so wonderfully transform your life that you will look and reflect just like the precious Son of God? Do you believe that's possible? Because the scriptures teach that. And if we don't lean in that direction, we're actually practicing unchristian cartography. In other words, we've got a map that's taking us in a whole different direction. We have a map not leading us to the throne room, not leading us to heaven, but leading us in a whole different direction. And we may be asking God to do something for us that's never even close to his heartbeat. Lust. I have conversations with men and women all the time. Many of you, many of you have come to me and ask me this, would you please pray with me to take away the desires of lust? And I've said no. And 
You know this. Many of you have pushed back. What? You won't pray with me about this? No. You just might be jeopardizing your marriage if the very desires that God has given you for the opposite sex are taken away. What if instead of praying that lust would be taken out, we might actually pray that God would transform that into the very love that he wants to display, not just in and through you, but to the whole world. What would you do if I said his plan for evangelism is actually to show the love that you have for one another to a broken and dying world? What if love is actually the answer and lust is only the problem? I want love to so radically be transformed in your life that your heart beats just like Jesus. The desires of your heart are for the things that he longs to see made to fruition. Would that be possible? Do you believe that is possible? Or is lust the one thing impossible for him to change? That's often the map that we live with. We do. God can change everybody. He just can't change me. And so what we often do, we often live with the shame and the stigma that God can help everybody, just not me. And I'm here to tell you, your map is pointing you in the wrong direction. You are an unchristian cartography student. And I'm asking you to allow the scriptures to change your map to look like the way of Jesus. And as Isaiah 35 says, the way of Jesus is actually called the way of holiness. Mark chapter 7 is talking about the issue of purity. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hand, as required by, listen to this word, their ancient traditions. That's their map. They are not Jewish cartographers. They're following a tradition that the NIV actually says is the traditions of men. You see, what they've basically done is this. Here is the Decalogue. Here is, if you will, the marriage covenant based between God and humanity. This is my covenant of love. And the Jews have said it's not a matter of following the Ten Commandments. If we protect the Ten Commandments, if we build a fence around the Ten Commandments, we won't possibly break those if we don't even break the laws that lead up to that. So the traditions of men were established. They're not the law. They are the protection, a new map that is inserted to protect humans from not getting too close to God. Oh my, I thought 
the goal of both the Old and the New Testament is that God would come and dwell with his people. And we actually set up a, a map that prevents us from getting to God. So I give my daughter instructions. You probably got instructions just like this. Whatever you do, do not have sex before marriage. I'm gonna make a statement out loud, which is probably the best way to make a statement. And this will make sense to you the day after you get married. Angie did grow up in youth group, and she did go to purity talks that just instilled a vast amount of guilt on this poor woman. We dated, got engaged, got married. The day after our wedding, she woke up in bed and turned and looked at me and she said, is my dad going to be angry? I just slept with a man. See what happens when we promote the avoidance of lust rather than celebrate unbridled love in every aspect of our lives. No, 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 no. Now, let me release you to love. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus wants us to practice love in every aspect of our life before and after marriage. It's different, obviously, but he wants you to practice love, not just avoid lust. Do you see the difference? I want you to become great lovers because that's Jesus. Don't practice no, 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 and then try to turn the switch on to yes. Allow love and the core of Jesus to be at the heartbeat of everything you do. So the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law asked him, why do your disciples follow the, not follow the age-old tradition? Why don't they follow our map? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Realize the hand-washing ceremony is not part of the law. It's part of the traditions of men. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They, their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. Can I ask you to make certain that the map that you're using, the cartography that you're practicing, actually comes from God and not from man. When I was at Asbury Theological Seminary, um, the second year I was there, I was there for three years in rapid-fire succession. The second year I was there, right before Christmas break, there was a, a person that was in one of my classes, young woman from India. And we were talking after class about what we were doing over Christmas break. Um, first person was sharing uh, they were going to be going home to be with family. Another was going on a mission trip. 
This lady said, I'm going back to India. Well, what are you doing? I'm getting married. Really? Tell us about your husband. I know nothing. Excuse me, we all said. Oh, I've never met him. Really? Yes. My parents and his parents got together when we were both born. They're the same age. And they made a decision that when they became of age, in this case 22, they would get married. You've never met him. No. And then she said, unsolicited this statement, but I have loved him all of my life. We, as modern North Americans, cannot make sense of that, can we? But what would you do if I actually said to you, love is an act of the will and nothing else? Do you realize in the Old or the New Testament, there is no theology of dating? Did you know that? What we do and we practice, please allow me to say this, what we do and we practice is cultural cartography. Our dating system is not biblical, it's cultural. We like it. We like to go out and to see whether or not we like and can move to love, which is, this is a bad metaphor, excuse me for using it, it's like going and trying on a pair of shoes to make sure we like them. That's why we actually have words about falling in and falling out of love. That's not biblical metaphors. That's cartography by Western culture. Jesus says this, love one another. But I haven't gotten to know that. I don't care. Love one another. Love is an act of the will. You choose to do it, listen to me carefully, or to be disobedient to God. Love is an act of the will, and you choose to do it or to be disobedient to God. Please do not begin to put in other modern cartography kind of adjustments, uh, um, compass calibrations that says, I love them, but I don't like them. That's modern. That's not biblical. You love, period. Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites for using a different map than he is actually drawing. I beg of you, watch for the distinctions between what is modern cartography and ancient map-making Jesus style. There is a vast difference. Don't try to force our map over his. It will be so utterly confusing. You will not be able to distinguish any area whatsoever. Everything, everything will be allowable. Allow the traditions of men, the traditions of people, the traditions of culture to be held separate. We love with no limits, we love with no boundaries, and we don't 
try on a pair of shoes to see if we want to love somebody. In 1525, there was a map that was being drawn of the boundaries, the borders in North America. Specifically, the, the east coast of the U.S. and around the, the east coast of the Maritimes, and then around towards Hudson Bay. It is housed in the British Museum. In the mid-1850s, a man by the name of Sir John Franklin found that map, and he was updating the the, uh, um, I, he was a, making adjustments to the size of the land and, and the exact measurements. But as he was looking at the map, there were places along the map that said this, here be giants, here be scorpions, here be dragons. Well, obviously the map maker in 1525 had found some problems when he and his shipmates were making this map. They had found some, some giants, they had found some scorpions, and they had found some dragons. There were some hard times in the 1520s. Being able to accomplish what they wanted was impossible in those areas. Listen to me. There were things they wanted to accomplish in those areas, and they deemed it impossible. We can't do it because there's giants here. We can't do it because there's scorpions here. We can't do it because there are dragons here. Sir John Franklin ruined the map. <laughs> he crossed out those lines and he put in just a few words to replace them. Here's what he said. Here be God. How's your loving these days? you're loving? Is it thwarted by lust? How's your loving? It must be done without hesitation and without limits. How's your loving? As Zach was asking where I wanted to go, I told him I wanted to go to 1 John. So would you Turn with me to 1 John, chapter 1. 1 John, chapter 1. Because this is the answer to the issue of love. This is the message, John 1, 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. If we reside in God, there is no darkness. There is no lust, there is only love. The closer we get to God, the lighter he becomes and the more transformed we are. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. If, if lust or any of the non-loving purity issues are a part of your life, draw close to God, for he is 
all light. But if we are living in light as God is in the light, listen, we have fellowship with, not with God, with one another. I long to be in the presence of God for all eternity. Can I say that again? I love to be in the presence of God for all eternity, but I want to do it with you. God is not giving us the option to do it alone. He wants us to want to do it together. I'm gonna make a statement. And I believe it to be completely true as long as you quote me verbatim. There is no such thing as a sanctified individual. I want to say it again. There is no such thing as a sanctified individual. There are sanctified persons. You see, an individual, by definition, is actually standing alone as an island. A person only has value as they are in relationship with other people. That's the definition of the word. There's no such thing as a sanctified individual because God being a communal being, Trinitarian, God is himself community. And if you are being called to be like God, you must be in community with other people. So, you don't take care of the lust issue by running out into the wilderness and being alone. You're just burying it. What I'm asking you to do is to allow God to replace lust with love. And not just vertical love, but also horizontal love. Without limits, without boundaries, love. We have fellowship with each other. Listen, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Listen to verse 9. But if we confess our sins, when I teach any of the classes here, all I do is teach you how to read. I don't have any other skill than that. I can't sing, can't dance. I'm really clothing challenged. Angie actually told me what to wear this morning in her absence. I got nothing other than to teach you how to read. If we confess our sins, we need each other because what I need I need your ears to be able to hear my confession. I need to watch your eyes to allow me to confess to you and not feel shame for what I've said. I need your, your voice to be able to confirm to me your sins with me are forgiven. Did you hear your president on Tuesday? 
the Holy Spirit coming to him and said, you've got something wrong with a relationship. If you do not go and make it right, you got a problem this way then. Who of us likes to do that? Not me. But if we confess our sins, listen, he is faithful and just. For what? To forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we, as a Christian community, are practicing on an ongoing basis confession, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you notice how confession and forgiveness and cleansing is bracketed by he is faithful and just? Can I, can I teach you something about the theology of forgiveness? God is not obligated to just forgive you because you've prayed. Do you realize that? He has no moral obligation to forgive you just because you prayed. If somebody in your youth group that was leading your youth group gave you the idea, if you pray, automatically you're forgiven, he or she was wrong. As a matter of fact, God is a just being. And if you confess that you are a sinner, he goes, great, you know exactly who you are. You deserve death. However, in the midst of that, he is faithful and he is just. So what I do, I am confessing to you and you and I together go to Jesus and we give him our sin, not just mine. It's a shared commodity in the body. We give him our sin, say, Jesus I am giving all that I am, lust and everything, all included. I give it to you, and you do with it according to your character. I love the words that take place in the book of Jonah. When Jonah, who is, he is not the best evangelist. Mike McNeil, he needs to spend time in your class. He's the worst evangelist ever. Here is his sermon. 40 days and you will be destroyed. Not the best evangelistic message. And the king of Nineveh repents. And he calls all the people of Nineveh to repent, including the animals. They put on sackcloth and ashes. And here are the words of the king. We need to repent. Perhaps God will forgive me. That's a key word, perhaps. Yahweh is not obligated to forgive the king of Nineveh. The king of Nineveh is throwing all of his sin on the very character of God. Moses, after Israel has built the golden calf, after they have worshipped that, God sends Moses down off Mount Sinai, taking the Ten Commandments, breaking the marriage covenant, if you will, and Moses says this, repent, I will go back up on the mountain and perhaps God will forgive Israel. There is no obligation of God to forgive. 
we are throwing all that we are onto the altar. And the altar is the very character and the heart of God. This is his promise if you do this. He will forgive your sin. He will, the word forgive is a very simple word. He will release your sin. Let it go. You may have a map that was made in the world. And the map in the world may say, you deserve happiness. You deserve joy. Do what makes you happy. That's the world's map. But there are some churches that have maps as well. And they are limited in the territory in which they cover. Because there will be some churches that tell you having your sins forgiven is the best that you can get. And I'm here to tell you the scriptures claim something else. The, the scriptures very clearly claim not only are your sins forgiven, but you can be cleansed. You can be just like Jesus. You can be cleansed of all, listen to this word, you can be cleansed of all your NIV and ESV calls it wickedness. That's not a bad translation, but it's not as helpful. Listen carefully. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and, here's your word, dikaios. He is faithful and just, righteous. Got it? To forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all a dikaios. What does 1 John claim? He will take out of you everything that is not him. That's what I long for. I long to be just like him. And friends, not when I get to heaven, but now. The promise is as we live in community, we will rub elbows. You will forgive me. I will forgive you. We will be in the constant state of forgiveness. We will be in the constant state of confession. We will be in the constant state of being cleansed. Ivan Graham and I were talking yesterday. Here's a statement he made that has just been burning in my heart since the moment he made it. He said, the greatest gift of Christian faith is that when I lay my head down at night, I am at peace with God and with one another. Is that your heartbeat? That you want to love what Jesus loves? That your heart is beating in perfect sync with him? I declare to you this morning that is his gift to you. 
he wants you to be a child of the Most High God. He wants you to see as you look in the mirror, not lust, but love for the world. In the video, it struck me, Mike, in the video, I'm not sure exactly who the people were. Kaya, I think, I think it was you pouring water on the woman's feet. I want to love that. I want to look at every woman in the world and see exactly what Jesus sees and to bow down and to wash feet. I want God to take out of me everything that is not him and to replace it with an unbridled love for the broken and hurting world. That's the promise of Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. I give who I am to him. And he says, thank you. Let's now begin the work of forgiveness and even more so, cleansing that lust will be replaced with love, unbridled love, that consumerism, wanting things, will be transformed from wanting this to giving to others. I want to look like him. I want to sound like him. I want every breath that I breathe out to be the very breath of the Holy Spirit and that you might see that in me and I might see that in you. Now listen, and the world might know who Jesus is because of our love. Wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if introduction to evangelism was a class on pure love, unbridled love, and that's what we take to the community, and they would become infected. The contagion would be his love for us and our love for one another. As we move into Infuse Week, my prayer for you is that you will catch this, that this will become a part of your life and will never cease to amaze you that God has a plan for your life. And it's not just forgiveness of sin. It is full orb life transformation that you will look just like Jesus. As we close the service, I've asked Zach, uh, I don't want there to be, do you know the word dirge? I don't want the, the music to be a funeral dirge, kind of a sadness, I am so sad. Yes, I'll come to the altar because I'm so burdened, no. The message of love is a message of celebration. He wants, of all else, he wants to be the greatest lover of your life. So I ask this morning, today, tonight, this weekend, and all next week, you might consider the question, is it possible? Is it possible? for God to so live within me 
that he can transform my heart in such a dynamic and powerful way that there would be no limits to my love. That forgiveness would be my middle name. And not only would it become a contagion here on campus, but my gosh, it would infect Sussex, New Brunswick, and well, if you don't have a passport, you'd get one because Haiti is your next destination. Jesus, bless us this very day as we sing celebrations father it is your love that we long for stand let us worship together